TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is live coverage from ABC News. Terror at the nightclub. Here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. We are about to hear from more survivors of the shooting in Orlando at Florida Hospital in that city. Incredible stories coming out this after a news conference earlier in a regional medical center. We want to go now to Florida Hospital. Two of the survivors sitting, one sitting uh, right up in a chair, one on a gurney sitting up as well. Doctors speaking right now. Let's listen in. Here with us today. And I'm going to leave it at that and let us talk to, to, to them and let them tell their story. Thank you. Angel, is that okay? Yeah, okay. Right now, some of the logistics uh, being figured out as they hand the microphone to Angel, that we know is uh, his first name. We've heard a lot about Angel as this was all unfolding. People who were looking for Angel. This is uh, apparently that Angel that. Everybody was uh, looking for. He is in a hospital bed, kind of like a gurney. He is right, sitting so up I in it. At, um, Let's listen to what uh, he has Pulse to say now. Club, probably around 1230. Um, and I was there with two other friends. And uh, we just were having a good time dancing, talking. And uh, toward the end of the night, we moved toward the rear bar, which uh, was... We had a Latin bar section and a hip-hop bar section. So um, toward the rear of the building, that's where I ended up with my friends. And uh, right around 2 o'clock, uh, they stopped. Right around when they stopped serving alcohol, that's when uh, we heard the first round of shots go off. So immediately, uh, my friend and I fell to the ground uh, to take cover. My initial thoughts were... Maybe there was an altercation, it was personal, so, you know, stay to the ground until it's over. Uh, but then we heard additional rounds going off. So at that point, uh, my friends, my friend and I ran to the bathroom in the rear. Um, there was a bathroom on the left and the right. The bathroom on the left had a large handicap stall, which we knew about, so we ran in there. And when we arrived, there were already people hiding in the handicap stall. So... We continued to hear gunfire. We dropped to the ground in the handicap stall. Uh, I I hid as best as I could underneath the sink. There wasn't much protection there, but I felt it was better than nothing. Um, my friend Jeff was in front of me. There were a couple of other people surrounding us, but I believe overall, maybe about 15, maybe 15 to 20 people, if I'm recalling correctly, in, in that handicap stall, just hiding. So, <clears throat> we just continued to hear gunfire, and I just remember thinking, when is it going to stop? Because if it was personal, usually that shouldn't last too long. So, I just kept hearing gunfire over and over and over again, and it kept getting louder, closer, 
Uh, and I can actually start to smell, um, I don't know, I guess it's plum powder, I'm not sure. It kind of smells like when firecrackers go off. So <clears throat> everyone in the stall where we were was, we were all trying to just be as quiet as possible. We didn't want to attract attention, but the gunfire kept getting closer and closer. And um, at one point, everyone's just like, shh, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And that's when bullets start going through the stall wall towards us. So um, I can't recall exactly how many bullets, but it sounded like whoever, it sounded like he unloaded essentially. And um, I was hit with my foot, my left foot, um, my right knee. I thought it was shot a third time, but it ended up being a graze. Uh, my friend who was with me was hit as well, and uh, he's, his injuries were worse than mine. Um, and overall, there was just a lot of blood. A lot of people were hit, and even um, some fatalities, which were apparent almost immediately. So everyone's just, you know, panicking. Um, after the, sh the shot stopped, like, the gunman leaves to the other bathroom that was adjacent to us, and we hear more gunfire, more people screaming. Uh, at that point, we were just trying to be as quiet as possible because we didn't want him, we didn't want to attract him back to us. Um, so we were just laying down, trying to assess the situation. I dialed 911 a few times, tried explaining to the operator what was occurring, what was going on, while continuing, you know, hearing gunfire. Um, and uh, some time went by and it kind of quieted down a little bit. We, I finally heard the police arrive. They, I heard police yelling, um, drop it, hands up. And, um, but I don't know what was going on. Um, so eventually it kind of quieted down some more. I was bleeding. My friend Jeff was bleeding a lot. Um, I was in on the ground in a pool of blood. I wasn't sure whose it was, but I felt like it was my friend's Jeff because he was hit right around here. I can see a bullet hole right here. He was sweating, just looked overall really weak and in bad condition. And my thought process was, you know, do we stay here and wait for the shooter to come back or do we try to leave? Um, so I, I, I tried maneuvering so I can exit underneath the stall, but then people, you know, they were like, no, stay here. Don't go anywhere because you're, you'll get killed. So I stayed there for a little while longer, um, but everything just kind of quieted down. And, and all I heard was police chatter on the radio from the, the distance. Um, I didn't hear any more gunfire. So at that point, I decided to, little by little, drag myself underneath the stall to exit the handicap stall where we were. Um, once I got out of there, there I saw that there was a, a body in front of the door on the opposite side. Um, I didn't see anyone else around, so I I couldn't walk. So I had to drag myself out of the bathroom toward the bar area where I was initially, and um, until I actually saw like the face of a police officer. So when I when I finally saw an officer, I had my cell phone in my hand and I started waving the light so that he can see me. And um, at that point, the officers instructed me to like, you know, lift my hands, drop whatever I had in my hands. 
and they instructed me to drag myself toward them. Um, I yelled, I said, you know, there are people shot, people who were killed in the bathroom, we need your help. Um, but they weren't coming near me. They just told me to drag myself toward them. So once I <clears throat> got, I guess, close enough, a couple of, of the SWAT uh, grabbed me by the arms and dragged me outside. Uh, and at that point, I was just telling them, you know, my friend was shot. There were several people there who I believe are are dead. And um, there are at least 15 people in there. Like, we need your help. We need, we need someone to go in there. Um, and at that point, they asked me instructions on exactly where the bathroom was. Uh, and after I told them, they put me in an ambulance uh, and brought me here. So um, I didn't, after that, I didn't really know what else occurred. I never saw the face of the shooter. I didn't know if it was a male or female. I didn't even hear the shooter speak. So it wasn't until I actually saw on the, on the television uh, what the shooter actually looked like. So I didn't know anything about my friend Jeff, about the third friend we were with. Um, it was just a matter of getting to the hospital. Uh, and I was grateful to the staff because by the time I got to the hospital, they said my blood pressure was already very low. I was dizzy, cold. Um, they gave me two units of blood to kind of stabilize me. And, um, and after that, it's just, just been here. So... Thankfully, I heard eventually that um, my friend Jeff, he was in critical condition, but as of last night, he's stable. Um, and our third friend, miraculously, she didn't even suffer any injuries, so she's doing very well. Um, but I'm just uh, grateful to be alive because just after seeing what occurred, I don't even know how I'm alive today. So um, that's pretty much what I know. From the hospital in Orlando, Florida, Florida Hospital, hearing from Angel. He was inside the club on Sunday morning. Now we're going to hear from another patient Before who was injured. I start to share my story, I want to recite a poem that I wrote in the middle of the night last night, which really shows everything that I'm feeling right now. And it's part of my healing process, uh, writing, so... The guilt of feeling grateful to be alive is heavy. Wanting to smile about surviving but not sure if the people around you are ready. As the world mourns, the victims killed and viciously slain. I feel guilty about screaming about my legs in pain because I could feel nothing. Like the other 49 who weren't so lucky to feel this pain of mine. I never thought in a million years that this could happen. I never thought in a million years that my eyes could witness something so tragic. Looking at the souls leaving the bodies of individuals, looking at the killer's machine gun throughout my right peripheral, looking at the blood and debris covered on everyone's faces, looking at the gunman's feet under the stall as he paces, the guilt of feeling lucky to be alive is heavy. It's like the weight of the ocean's walls crushing uncontrolled by levees. It's like being drugged through the grass 
with a shattered leg and thrown on the back of a Chevy. It's like being rushed to the hospital and told you're going to make it when you laid beside individuals who lives are brutally taken. The guilt of being alive is heavy. Um, how did me and my friends end up at Pulse nightclub? Well, we just got to Orlando, Florida from Philadelphia the night before. So we just got there. This is my first time ever being in Florida, the first time ever being in Orlando, first time ever being at Pulse nightclub. How did we even get there? Um, Akira, who unfortunately is no longer here, Googled maps like popular clubs in Orlando and Pulse was the first one to come up. Uh, I had like five stars and we were so excited. We were extremely excited. And so her mom and her dad drove us there and we actually reached Pulse nightclub outside of it around 11.50, but because we need to go get changed to get inside, we walked over to 7-Eleven together. So by the time we got to Pulse nightclub, it was probably a little after 12. So, and at the door, they checked our IDs to make sure we were over 18. But this sweetest face greeted me right before I paid my $10. Her name was Amanda. She was one of the victims who unfortunately did not make it. She was had glasses and her bang. I told her that her shoes were the cutest I've ever seen. She um, let me be her plus one, so I didn't have to pay. So when we entered together, um, Amanda, Akira, and Tierra Parker, who's my best friend, we were all having a good time for a short period of time before um, Amanda actually disappeared. We don't even, we didn't remember what happened to her. She said she was going to the bathroom because there are three parts of Pulse Nightclub, as you all know now. There's a patio um, that's outside. There's a middle section. And there's an indoor, um, another indoor part where most of the live entertainment takes place back there. And at first when we got in, we were hanging out in the middle section with Amanda. Um, and then when she went to the bathroom, uh, we waited for a while, but we realized she didn't come back. So we just, we decided to go to the bathroom too, because we had to, to go to the bathroom and we didn't see her in there. So we just decided to go in the indoor part after that, like the, the, the back indoor part where the rest of the live entertainment was taking place. And we stayed there the rest of the night until the gunshots started. And we were having the time of our lives. Akira was the life of the party, literally. And everybody loved her. Everyone just adored her. Um, Tierra Parker, who's her cousin, like we were just all having like the night that we dreamed of of going out like literally it was it was the best it was the most beautiful bonding experience like any three girls could have on an, on their first night out on vacation and it wasn't until about 158 when I looked at Akira's phone and I turned to Tierra I said so how are we getting home Tierra told me oh we're going to get an uber so she started to order the uber and a few seconds from her ordering the Uber and me asking that question, that's when we started hearing the gunshots going off in the middle section where we had left from. At first, we didn't know that there were gunshots. I, I didn't know. I was so confused. I was like, wow, 
a club would do all this just to get people to leave their club. Like they would have like BB guns. I thought it was a BB gun at first, like or the DJ playing some sort of like sound of gunshots. I didn't think they were actually real gunshots, but the the fear of it, the fear inside me made me drop to the floor anyway. So I'm I'm like scrambling on the floor. Tierra and Kiera run towards the bar and I'm scooting backwards, not realizing that I'm about to go out the door and it was actually the exit there. And I saw Kiara get up and run over to me and I look up and we're actually outside. Me and Kiara actually made it outside um, while the gunshots were still going off. And I said, well, where's Sierra? Where's Sierra? So in the part of the poem where I feel so guilty about surviving is because if I would have told Akira to stay outside and just wait, and I'll try to go back and get Tierra because she didn't make it. Me and Tierra didn't make it, and I feel really guilty about that. And I was speaking to her mom, and she told me not to feel, feel guilty. You know, God has his plan, but I told her, let's go get Tierra. We got to get Tierra. So when we went inside, we got trapped in there. So we saw Tierra, but everybody was rushing into the bathroom stall. Everyone was rushing to the bathroom stall. Um, the gunshots were still going off rapidly. And it's still not real to me yet. It's still not real to me. I'm just like, why are they doing all of this? And I was even Snapchatting in the bathroom stall once we got in there. We ran into the bathroom. Me, Tara, and Akira were like actually the last ones to actually get into the bathroom stall, the handicapped one, the biggest one. Um, and, and the guy who, it was an African-American male who ended up closing and locking the door, who I believe got shot from doing that in the process and the gunman entered the bathroom and was shooting his machine gun. So we're all like scrambling around in the bathroom, screaming at the top of our lungs when he was in there for the first time. And then, you know, people are getting hit by bullets, like blood is everywhere. And then there was a moment where he stopped um, shooting in the bathroom. And that's when everyone looked around. And that's when I first realized that my leg was shot. There were several other people shot and bleeding in the bathroom. That's when Akira, who didn't make it, realized she was shot in her arm. And I'm not sure if that was when Tierra also got shot in her side, but we were all pretty bad. And, we, and at that point, we knew that this wasn't, this wasn't a game. This was very real. And this, was, and this is something that was really happening to us right now. And it, it was shock. We just went from having the time of our lives to the worst night of our lives, all within a matter of minutes. So the gunman had stopped shooting for a while. I don't know where he went, um, but I was lying in the bathroom floor. Um, I was right underneath the, the stall wall. So the, wall, the stall wall was like right above my face because I was trying to get most of my body into the second stall because um, there was like a lot of people and my leg was um, injured at the time. Like I got shot in my leg and it was actually pinned under the person who was laying right next to me. So it was very painful. And we laid there for hours and hours, hoping that someone came and got us and hoping that the police would come through at that point in time and just like save us all. But throughout that period of hours, the gunman was in there with us. And he actually made a call to 911 from in there. We could, everybody could hear who was in the bathroom who survived, could hear him talking to 911 saying that the reason why he's doing this is because he wants America to stop bombing his country. And from that conversation, from 911, he pledged his allegiance to ISIS. And he started speaking. And I believe after he got off the, 
the, the phone with 911, he started speaking in Arabic. And now that I know to be Arabic, at first I didn't know like what, what the language was. Um, and, and after that, he even spoke to us directly in the bathroom. He said, are there any black people in here? I was too afraid to answer, but there was an African-American male in the stall where most of my body was, majority of my body was, had answered. And he said, yes, there are about six or seven of us. And the government responded back to him saying that, you know, I don't have a problem with black people. Um, this is about my country. You guys suffered enough. And he just, he made a statement saying that it wasn't about black people. He, this isn't the reason why he was doing this. But through the conversation with 911, he said that the reason why he was doing this is because he wanted America to stop bombing his country. So the motive is very clear to us who are laying in our own blood and other people's blood, who were injured, who were shot, that we knew what his motive was. And he wasn't going to stop killing people until he was killed, until he felt like his message got out there. And he made several other comments, like while we were in the bathroom, um, and just quickly to retract for a second, when he first came in the bathroom, um, there were like pellets, but it felt what felt like um, BB gun pellets is what I got, gave me the impression that it was a BB gun is because there were wall fragments hitting my legs, but that was really just the machine gun that he had um, blaring around the entire room. And it actually got jammed. He was like, damn, like it jammed. So with my face under the stall, looking, I could see him put down his machine gun and try to, and you could hear him trying to click and fix his handgun. So time goes on and people's phones are going off. People are obviously calling. And it was actually, a, before he came back in, you know, Kira was on her phone talking to her mom, asking, and that's when people, everybody was asking for people to come and get us and help. Um, and come and, you know, save us, basically. And people were on the phone with 911. But when he came back into the bathroom after that first round of machine gun shots went off, that's when he wanted everybody to, to get off their phones. He didn't want to hear anybody on their phones. He didn't want to hear any text message sounds. He didn't want to hear any phones ringing. So every time a phone rung or every time a text message went off, he would say, where is it? Give it up. Where is it? And it was the point in time where there was somebody's phone who was going off. It wasn't even inside the stall. It wasn't even inside the stall. The phone was outside. And because he was still saying, where is it? Give it up. Give it up. I just tossed my phone out because I didn't even, nobody was responding. So we're assuming that the person whose phone it was was either already shot and dead or they just didn't know there was their phone that was outside of the stall. But the last shots that went off, that he did inside the bathroom while we were held hostage was right before the police um, bust through our bathroom that we were inside of. So there were like three explosive sounds that went off right before um, the police actually rescued us from inside the bathroom. Um, and at first we thought that they were the other gunmen that he's um, communicating with that were exploding themselves because it was a point in time in the bathroom after the phone call he made with 911 and I believe after his statement that he made about like not having a problem with black people, but it being for his country, it seemed, it sounded as if he was communicating with other people who were involved with it. He made a statement 
that the police are, if the police come in, they're going to attack, but it's okay. We got the snipers outside. Whoever he spoke to, um, and, you know, some police officers, and maybe he was just deranged, maybe he was talking to himself, but I honestly feel like I don't think he was able to pull that off all by himself, that one man all by himself. And because he said it out of his face that he had snipers outside, and the first shots that you heard, there were so many shots going off. That's why it sounded like it was a part of the music. Couldn't believe that this was actually gunshots happening, so many at one time. So right before the wall, like right before the SWAT or the PD bust through the wall, he actually started backing into the bathroom stall itself that myself, Tierra Parker, and Akira, who didn't make it, was inside of. And I could see his feet like scooting back, scooting back, scooting back as he heard the police outside. And the last thing that I heard before the police said, you know, move away from the walls, because obviously they were about to bust through again. He said, hey, you, to someone on the floor inside the bathroom and shot them, shot another person and then shot another person who happened to be directly behind me, who I'm told through the eyes of Tierra that shielded me with their own body to make sure that I wasn't hit. So, and I don't know who that person is. I don't know the name of that person, but if I could, if, if there's somewhere watching from, thank you, thank you for saving my life, literally. If it wasn't for that person shielding me, it would have been me shot, and I wouldn't be sitting here today to talk about it. Um, so after he left off, rang off those last three shots, hey, you, bow, bow, bow. They bust through the wall, and they started engaging in gunfire after they told him, put your weapon down, put your weapon down. He didn't, so they engaged in gunfire. They got him. They shot him dead. And from that point, because the wall had exploded, the pipes, there was water starting to rise. So I was getting really scared because I was thinking, like, if I don't get, the, like, they don't get to me soon or something, I might drown sitting here in this water, this pile of bloody water. But I was able to get the debris off my face, and I was able to push myself from underneath the stall wall and come on the other side where the the handicapped bathroom was, the, the handicapped stall was, and I was able to sit up and pull my leg from underneath the person who just was killed beside me. And I was asking Tiara Parker, I said, Tiara, are you shot? She said, yeah, she got shot in her side. I said, what's wrong with Kiara? What's wrong with Kiara? Kiara was laying over Tiara's lap, lifeless, but according to the African-American male who was luckily unharmed, who was not shot at all, he checked Kiara's pulse at the time and said that she still had the ball, she's still breathing. So that was the last thing um, Tiara basically said to me, like, she's breathing, she's breathing. So when the SWAT member started coming in, we told him, like, beware, like, there's snipers outside. He said, there's snipers outside. And they were asking us, well, is there any more bombers inside? We're like, no, 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 it's just us. Like, he was the last one, he was the last one. So we were all raising our hands up, and the SWAT team member picked me up. Um, I put most of my weight on him to try to, to keep the weight off of my leg. And I actually saw Akira's phone right before I got out the wall, and I picked it up because I truly believed, like, after I was told she was breathing, that her pulse was still going, that I would be able to get that phone back to her. Once we got back. Once we got back into the hospital. So they pulled me out the wall. I couldn't walk. So the SWAT team member had to drag me by my arms through the grass. 
with um, my leg. It's it's pretty bad, uh, but they were able to get it back together. I have a the the bullet had shattered my femur bone in my right leg, and the bullet had went through my left leg. So I didn't even know I was shot in my left leg until they cut my clothes off in the ambulance and told me like you have another bullet wound under your left thigh. So I'm still here. An incredible account there from Patience Carter, her first time at the club, her friend Kiera, who went with her that night, gone. They had just ordered an Uber car to go home when they heard the gunshots. She says she now feels guilty surviving, moving accounts from those who were inside. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. We go back now. Questions are, are being asked of the, the doctors and uh, the survivors, Patience and Angel Santiago. Uh, the gentleman who spoke uh, at the beginning, the the other victim. Let's listen in. Hard to hear the questions here. A question being asked uh, about moments uh, inside the bathrooms. Angel was in a bathroom. Patience was in a bathroom. Talking about uh, hearing the gunfire, hearing the gunman come in. They heard a 911 call that he made, one of three calls now that we know well, that, uh, that he made at the time. Floor, and I told you my face was looking into the other stall, and I could see piles of bodies laying over the toilet seat and slumped over. And the bottom of the toilet was just covered with handprints and blood. And when I looked back the other way, I could just see other people, like, piled behind me, just blood. Some were dead, and some were just m moaning in, like, pain. And I looked across and I could see my my best friend on the floor and Akira just looking lifeless. And at that point, I was just like, I really don't think I'm going to get out of here. You know, and I made peace with God within myself. I said, you know, God, if this is time, if this is my time to go, if this is how I have to go, just please take me. Like, I don't, I don't want any more, like, shots. So I was just begging God to just please take me. And I just wanted to close my eyes and just let him take literally take the soul out of my body i was begging for god to take the soul out of my body because i didn't want to feel any more pain i didn't want to get any more shots now the microphone going um, to to angel so as he begins to answer initially my thoughts were kind of like what i was saying earlier was that this was maybe a personal fight so when i ran into uh the the bathroom the restroom um i thought that it was going to pass and once they were done, we would be able to leave. Um, but when it didn't stop, when a gunfire kept going and we heard it getting louder and closer, I did think to myself, I was like, wow, this is really happening. And this is probably it for me. Um, so I, I did, you know, say a prayer. Um, saying, you know, protect me. Um, and as the shot started going off, I don't remember. I know I was, like, thinking about my family and, and, and praying, but it was just, just everything happened very quickly um, when the shot started going off in my bathroom. So it was just, it was um, definitely, yes, I, I thought it was going to be it. And I consider myself very lucky to be here today. So do we, have, do we have one more question and then... 
One more question being asked. Angel Santiago, who you just heard from, he was hit in the left foot and the right I, I knee. I do apologize. Answering um, uh, one last question. Well. I understand mostly what you're saying, but I'll have to respond in English. Uh, can you repeat your question one more time for me? The question being asked in Spanish now. Uh, they took the first question in English, second in Spanish. Uh, Angel listening well, to it. He's nodding and answering definitely a life-changing life -changing event for me and my family. Um, you know, for me being uh, a gay man, going to a club like Pulse, um, it's kind of like a safe haven because you can't go to just any old bar and be who you are because there's hate everywhere. So when you go to a place like Pulse, it's not so that you can be promiscuous or anything like that. It's because this is your safe zone. So I've never in my life imagined that I would be going through something like this. Um, and now that it has occurred, I don't, I can't say what's going to happen, whether or not I'm looking forward to going to another club. No, not at least for now. Um, but definitely it puts things into perspective, uh, what's important, what's not important. And um, it makes you think twice about what you're going to do with your life. Now, patients are going to answer a question as well, that final question. Philadelphia, born and raised. I'm originally in North Philadelphia, but now I live in Southwest, so. No, I was actually on vacation with my friend's family. They invited me on there, so I went along with theirs. Yes. Tierra Parker, T-I-A-R-A -A Parker. P-A-R-K-E-R, -E and Akira Murray, who didn't make it, A-K-Y-R-A, -A Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. Kira's 18. She just turned 18. I'm 20. Me and Tiara are 20. I survived. Okay, well, thank you very much. And again, uh, uh, Angel and Patience, thank you for sharing your stories. The entire Orlando community supports you, uh, wishes you all rapid recovery, and we are here to help you, as is, uh, as is the state and the nation, and quite frankly, everybody throughout the world. Uh, we are here to support you in this recovery process. Uh, Godspeed to both of you. Thank you very much, everybody. Patience Carter, Angel Santiago, patients hitting the leg, Angel hitting the left foot and the right knee. Incredible stories that they had to tell there about surviving inside bathrooms uh, in the Pulse nightclub. ABC's Jim Ryan joining me from Orlando. And Jim, emotional, harrowing stories that they had to tell. Yeah, absolutely. This is the second hospital news conference we've had today. These stories are similar. Stories of uh, a desperate fight for life that these people are waging inside Pulse nightclub and also a sort of a loss of security. And this is a theme that's sort of been echoed around the city for the past couple of days. People who would go to a place like Pulse Nightclub because they felt safe. That was a, you could let your hair down and be yourself. And now you're hearing from people who say that they just don't feel that anymore, that they're, they're scared to death just to step outside. After all, it's been only two days 
since the, the worst mass shooting in the nation's history, Alex. ABC's Jim Ryan in Orlando. Now patients uh, sobbing as the news conference comes to an end. Seems telling her story may have been uh, quite moving for her there as she talked about everything that, that she went through. Also hearing from Angel Santiago. I'm Alex Stone, ABC News. You've been listening to live coverage from ABC News. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.